when COVID hit um, and things really shut down in California, there was a lot of things that was um, a lot of negatives, of course, about COVID uh, well outside the world of water polo and sport, but but also, you know, California itself were, was not allowing these major tournaments. So that provided an opportunity for us to take the tournament to Utah, yeah. um, which was it ended up being a good thing because we, ended, we included teams from Utah, from Texas, from Florida, from Connecticut, um, outside of California. And there are clubs, you know, that are uh, making a name for themselves and growing everywhere. Hey, this is Sean Stringham with Game On Live Studio. We're all about helping grow the sport of water polo through understanding best practices from the perspectives of athletes, parents, coaches, and the legends of water polo. If you're looking to get into water polo or want to see water polo grow as an athlete, supporter, or coach of the game, then you should subscribe. Click on the bell and get notified every time we release a new podcast. Game On. All right, we'd like to welcome everyone out to the Game on Water Polo podcast. We are excited to welcome Dustin Litvak here on episode one of season two of the Game on Water Polo pod. Dusty is currently serves as the head men's coach and assistant women's coach for the Princeton Tigers. He's joining us from Barcelona, Spain, where he's on a training trip with his Princeton women's team. The Tigers men's just wrapped up a great 22-2023 season where they were the Northeast Water Polo Conference champions and made a deep run into the NC2A championships at Cal. Before his time at Denuzio Pool, Litvak spent five seasons at UCLA working for the men's and women's water polo teams. From 2013 to 2015, he was the assistant for the men's team that won the 2014 national title. The first time UCLA had won the national championship in 10 years, Litvak then assisted with the women's squad from 2015 to 2018, highlighted by an MPSF championship and a second place finish at the 2017 NCAH tournament. But what we're really here to talk about is Dusty's role as the league commissioner and SoCal director for the Futures Water Polo League. The Futures League prides itself for providing high level competition for top water polo clubs in the nation. Dusty, thanks for joining me today here on the Game On Water Polo podcast, and and uh, good afternoon and good morning from Barcelona, right? Yeah, good afternoon here for sure. No, <laughs> thanks for having me, Sean. Thanks for the the long, uh, thorough introduction. Appreciate it. Uh, good to be we got, here. We got to give good context, right? Dusty is Dusty's all over the place. When you talk to Dusty, you, whenever you're texting, you're communicating with Dusty, you always have to check like what time zone are you in? What's you're either in New Jersey or you're in California and you're in Europe. So you're all over in the water polo world. Um, but let's, let's just kick off. We, for context, for those of you who are listening today is Tuesday and we're coming up on our first weekend of futures play here in 2023, which is going to be our 16 U boys. And the weekend following that is going to be our 18 U boys, our kickoff weekends. And so, um, Dusty, I'm just going to turn it over to you as the league commissioner for um, futures. For the average water polo fan, like, how do you define futures? Give us kind of some history of the event, past, present, and no pun intended, future of what you of yeah. what you're looking for. Uh, no, uh, you know, futures is I think an opportunity um, for clubs that are, um, I think, serious about the sport uh, and, and want to provide, you know, high level competition. So I think what we try to do is is be as professional as we can be um, in terms of, you know, uh, getting schedules out early, you know, and, and um, make sure we communicate properly with all the parties involved, whether that's the teams, um, coaches, administrators, referees, you know, the hosts, things like that, um, and, and just try to provide the most professional experience we can um, for all the clubs. And, and these are, again, clubs who, uh, you know, I think are, are 
really serious about growing the sport um, and making sure that there's incentive. You know, I think one thing that we kind of noticed um, was that there wasn't really any incentive week to week necessarily in the uh, when when these kids are not in high school seasons, um, maybe to come to practice as much or try or care as much at practice because the the result wasn't so, you know, right in front of them every weekend when they're in high school, they're playing games and they can see, you know, uh, all their work paying off. Um, so we wanted to provide something similar. So, you know, what we've done, um, I think we started Futures, man, maybe 2017, uh, 2018, somewhere around there. Um, and it was started off very small and it's just kind of grown and grown and grown and really, really happy that we're able to provide the same uh, high level experience on the, on the girls side. Now, um, you know, a lot of the girls yeah. in Southern California will be in high school season this, this winter, but Northern California will start up. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the, the Southern California girls will pick up in the spring, but that's been great. Um, and then, uh, you know, as I mentioned, just trying to give these kids incentive to, to want to get better, you know, year round. Um, and that's kind of where futures has kind of evolved because it's grown and grown and grown with the 16s and 18 and unders um, into kind of a, a relegation league where uh, yeah. it's really hard year to year to know exactly, you know, where clubs um, are going to place. Uh, you know, you can't really base it completely off the last year because kids age out, kids age up. Uh, and so this way, you know, as you're playing through it, you can kind of figure out, all right, this team may have started in D3, but they actually have an opportunity to get all the way to D1 by the end of the league, you know, or move down, uh, you know, if they're placed too high early on. So I think that's that's one of the positive elements. And again, because all of the results of the games have consequences, right? Uh, the kids have to go to practice. The practice means something. The games mean something. Uh, and the more the, the the kids are playing in games with with that have the result has meaning, right? The more comfortable they get under pressure. Uh, yeah. and, and of course, the better it is for everybody. Yeah. No, it's a great system. And I think that's one thing that even throughout it, you because you have an end goal of qualifying for super finals, right? And we haven't really even talked about that, where you go through the league play. Um, and it's really several different tournaments built into one big league because you're advancing in your overall group. Like you said, you might be placed in D3 initially, but you can qualify up into that D1 league any given year, right? Absolutely. Yeah, no question. And it gives the opportunity for for league, uh, excuse me, clubs to kind of, you know, maybe uh, experiment with their lineups and, right. and determine, you know, it's not just based on one weekend where maybe a player is sick or they have the SAT test or whatever it is. It is played over the course of six weekends. Uh, the teams are playing anywhere between 21 and 24 games during those six weekends. Um, and again, uh, the better they do, um, there is opportunities through the league to move up or stay on those, those higher divisions. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, qualify for the highest uh, division of the super finals. Um, we definitely are also about opportunity. So that's right. where also the league is growing and we've added divisions and then had second you know divisions of the super finals and even third divisions so that we have more opportunities for other teams to play we definitely don't want to exclude um but at the same time um we want to you know provide opportunities where where the the games are pretty evenly matched um no one gets better you know when games are lopsided uh in the score it doesn't help the team that's better doesn't help the team that's trying to get better so uh we try to you know make sure that through that uh league play and the qualification that you're you're playing pretty evenly matched opponents week to week and, and this year, I mean, we've got 18U men, 16U men, 14s, 12s, and then the same on the women's side, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. So and through. it's, uh, yeah, and, and now uh, I think we'll, we'll get to it, but, but Southern California, Northern California, and then uh, it finally expanded outside of California, which is awesome as well. Yeah, and so let's talk, I mean, with that point, let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit. We've got, how many teams do you have? Let's talk a little bit about the growth of the league. I mean, it's grown a, 
since last year, I've been involved now for three years and it continues to get bigger every year. Just kind of get a gross per perspective of what's happening in Southern California, Northern California, and the impact of Texas joining the league now too. Yeah. So when we started it, um, you know, I kind of headed up the, the Southern California portion um, and this was only boys at the time. We didn't have right. girls yet. Um, and then John Barnea, who was the assistant at Stanford at the time and James Lathrop um, from, from at the time, Miramani, now he's the assistant at Stanford. Um, they, they headed up the NorCal portion and we kind of coordinated everything so that we had our kind of separate leagues through the year and then came together for the super finals, but it was small. I mean, there were, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 teams in Southern California and, and even less probably Northern California. So it was very manageable. Um, and, and, um, as you know, teams got interested they saw the kind of product we were putting forth, you know, we were doing everything we could to get top level referees, top level venues, um, again, get schedules out early, really make it attractive to the clubs to understand you're getting, you know, a high value, um, for what you're paying for. And in addition, we're giving you, we're, we're allowing your parents to plan their lives. I think that's, right. that's one thing yeah. I, I do want to hit on too, is it <laughs> one, one flaw probably of our sport is that schedules come out the night before. And, and for parents that have multiple kids that play multiple sports, even if they have multiple, that just play water polo. I don't know how they do it um, yeah, when they're getting scheduled at the last minute. I mean, <laughs> carpools, but, but we're trying to give two weeks notice on every schedule at a bare minimum with, with as few changes as we need to make. Um, but through that, I think a lot of other clubs saw what was ha happening and saw that a lot of the top teams, you know, were choosing to, to, to join futures. And so it kind of just uh, grew in its own, you know, and, and teams continued to reach out. So that was positive um, for sure. Um, and then obviously, uh, when COVID hit um, and things really shut down in California, there was a lot of things that was um, a lot of negatives, of course, about COVID uh, well outside the world of water polo and sport, but but also, you know, California itself were, was not allowing these major tournaments. So that provided an opportunity for us to take the tournament to Utah, yeah. um, which was ended up being a good thing because we, ended, we included teams from Utah, from Texas, from Florida, from Connecticut, um, outside of California. And there are clubs, you know, that are uh, making a name for themselves and growing everywhere. So uh, and we added girls that summer as well. Yeah. So that was another yeah. positive. Um, and then, you know, as soon as they kind of were a part of it, of course, they want to stay with it. Uh, and we try to find ways. So <laughs> this year, we we're able to figure that out. I mean, the biggest challenge we've had is that we had to have a qualifier for the super finals we, because so many clubs are reaching out from all over the country saying they wanted to come to super finals. We couldn't just say yes to everybody. And it yeah. wasn't fair to say yes to some and no to others without having a proper qualification. Right. So by adding uh, some of the Utah teams do come to California for competition, but by adding the Texas component, they're actually hosting games for teams, not just from Texas, but from other States. Right. So there is a, a legitimate qualification to get into the super finals in the summer. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's cool. I mean, uh, quick plug here. I mean, we streamed the games from Utah. We streamed super finals and some 18s and 16 games last year. And this year, uh, the big, huge step is that we're going to try to stream all of those 18U, 16U boys and girls games from Southern California, Northern California and Texas. So it gives everyone an opportunity to really see what great water polo looks like. What a great opportunity, right? It's huge. I mean, like, again, uh, you hate to think of positives that came out of COVID, but that, that's right. just another one, uh, <laughs> right. that, that what you've done obviously with goals, uh, and just the, you know, how much is out there, how much content, um, stream is streamed futures is definitely one of them, but so much has become streamed now in the world of water polo. And it's so good for the growth of the sport. Uh, obviously selfishly as a college coach, you know, who lives on the East coast, it's great because, uh, I can't get out to California as much. So being able to watch the games either live or archived, um, has been fantastic. Um, and it's really helped a lot of 
players from different clubs, you know, put together better recruiting reels uh, and, and be seen right. by by so many different people. Um, and it's 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 such a great thing. And it's ambitious for sure on your guys's part. Um, and, yes. and we're so grateful, though. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's going to work. Yeah. It's going to work. But I'm sure oh, there's going to be a couple of hiccups here and there, but it's going to work. Yeah, right. So <laughs> no, no, it's great. And it's not just, you know, there's a lot of services that just turn the camera on and and that's it. Um, wide angle camera, no, no commentary, but what you guys do is so helpful and so beneficial. Yes. Again, selfishly as a college coach, but also to grandma and grandpa or right. aunts and uncles uh, anywhere in the world, you know, um, yeah. they can watch their uh, relatives play and, and again, just so good for the growth of the sport. So um, the fact that we do have four divisions of 16s this year, we do have four divisions of 18s and all four are going to be streamed um, is such a huge, I think, benefit for those clubs and, and those players. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my goal self, I want to see, I want to see fans of water polo come out and just want to watch water polo. Right. And so we're going to try to keep the podcast going and tell the story here <clears throat> a little bit of how, as uh, the season develops. So it'll be interesting and hopefully get some athletes on here as well as some other coaches as well for the podcast, as well as on site during the weekend. So to, to try to do a little bit of better storytelling uh, about the league and about the qualification, because I love the fact that it's a relegation league, right. Of being able to advance and now or fall back depending on how you play. I mean, it just really does. It's great for storytelling, right? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want, I don't want to guess, get too much in the nitty gritty because it is a little bit complicated. It changes by division and how many teams and things right. like that. And you can, all that information is public on our, our website, but um Basically, you know, the very first two weekends of play are within your current division. So every yeah. team is placed in a division initially. You play everybody once within your division over the first two weekends. And then the third weekend is really kind of the exciting weekend because that's where the crossover play happens. So, um, in, you know, the top teams are kind of set. So if you do really well in division one, you're set. You you're don't, staying you don't in division one. Into yeah. a tournament, you're staying in division one. You've proved you belong there. Um, but if you're kind of in the bottom half or or bottom third of division one, depending on the age group, uh, you're going to move into a tournament with the top, you know, third or top half of division two. And then there could be some change. And that's a really yeah. exciting weekend. And last year, I thought it, uh, some of the scores were so many shootouts. It was, you could tell, uh, you know, the passion was there. And I, and I think having that streamed is going to be even more, you know, evident. Um, but there were, you, you just could see the energy that came around that third weekend of, wow, there's, you know, we could move up to the next division, you know, right. and there were so many teams are grateful for that opportunity because, you know, they felt like they belong there, but they got a chance to prove it. It's one thing to say right. it, it's another chance to prove it. Um, and then if a team ended up moving down divisions, cause in that, in that third weekend, you know, again, two and three will mix a little bit, three and four will mix a little bit as well. Um, there's still another opportunity on weekend six. So after weekend three, um, we go back into the, our new divisions. So weekend four and five are very similar to one and two. You play everybody once in your new new division. And then weekend six, similar to weekend three is a crossover weekend, which will help place teams in certain divisions for or even seed the super finals once we add in the NorCal teams and add in um, the uh, the out of, out of California teams. Yeah. So uh, again, there's just meaning to everything because you can't you can't bring you know, uh, uh, I don't know, half your, half your team to a weekend and think it's going to be fine. Right. You may end up in that, in that relegation <laughs> tournament, which you don't right. want to end up in. Right. right. Or, yeah. uh, or if you, if you're in that relegation tournament and you don't have your full squad, right. That can be tough. So again, it really also gives incentive for those players to want to show up where when I was a club coach, you know, it, you could just tell that there were, it was to, in the off season, there was a lot of times where, um, they didn't want to be there as much. And so they would plan other things to, to happen during those weekends. And I think the other thing we try to do is be, be mindful of that. So it's really only one weekend a month per age group for the most part. Um, so we're not, you know, overwhelming them where they're having right. to play every single weekend. Um, there is plenty of time to do other things with family. 
Right. So there, I mean, within this, there are thousands of moving parts for you as a league commissioner. Like I can't imagine because you've got 30, 32 teams per division times, however many different divisions that you have. How, how do you personally pull something like the magnitude of this off? Like in terms of managing referees and pool sites and schedules, like that, that's an amazing task. Yeah. I mean, I think like, like water polo itself, it's a team effort, you know, right. um, you have to have good people around you and you got to rely on good people. There's no question. There's a lot on my plate when it, uh, in terms of scheduling and trying to put all the pieces together of the logistics. Um, and I actually really, that's something I've just always enjoyed is making schedules and, and things like that. But, um, you know, having Peggy McClintock has just been a godsend and she does so much for us administratively. Um, you know, and, and we have a head referee, you know, and he does a lot, uh, Levon and, and, um, the biggest thing, though, honestly, is just, um, and you know, as a coach yourself, uh, just having really, really good clubs um, right. with professional coaches who respond to emails, respond to texts, um, you know, they're they're cognizant of what you're trying to do, the bigger picture. It's not just about them. Um, of course, everybody's going to have certain, you know, requests they're going to make in terms of schedules that that fit with their school. Um, we get it all the time and we just ask them, you know, try to get out in front of it as early as possible. But um, yeah, it, it takes everybody uh, just understanding like what makes this league successful is that we can get information out so early and stick to it, um, uh, and not make these last minute changes all the time. And sometimes it happens early in the season and it picks, it gets better as the year goes along. Um, but of course, um, you know, I, I rely on a lot of people to do my right. job uh, for the league. Um, and ultimately I understand too, this is, we're trying to put the best product out there and the most professional product. So we can't ask the coaches to be professional on deck, the referees to be professional on deck, you know, the fans, et cetera, if we're not putting a professional product out there to begin with right. um, in terms of, you know, allowing them to plan their lives. Right. Yeah. No, that, I mean, that's the critical thing, especially, and the organization part is so important because I, I, as you talk with coaches and you see leagues and events and the question is why is water polo always like, why is it always last minute? I mean, and, cause mm -hmm. it's hard. I mean, you got pools that you have to deal with and you've got all sorts of different moving pieces, right? There's a little bit more limited resources, but to that point, like, what are, do you, what are the top elements that coaches and athletes can do and parents can do to help make the events go smoothly and the league run smoothly from your perspective? Um, you know, I keep using the word professional, but honestly, I think that's the most you know appropriate word to use in the sense of, you know, now, especially being streamed, you know, to understand that all of their actions are, are being viewed by, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people and, and right. college coaches. Um, and so like, this is a big part of the recruiting process as well. So their behavior on deck, you know, things like that. Um, but I think just, just like, uh, taking it seriously and obviously want them to have fun. It is a game. Um, there's no question about it. Um, but, but understanding that everything is a representation of the league and the product we're trying to put out there. And, you know, the less we have to deal with, um, you know, parents being ejected from, the, the stands <laughs> right, or, you right. know, coach and referee, uh, negative interactions, things like that. I mean, I think that our sport, you know, really just needs in general, better communication between all parties. And so that, that part of it again, only happens if everybody approaches it with the same mindset of, we are trying to do what's best for the sport, uh, every time we come onto the pool deck. So it's, you know, we're not going to win every game we play. We're not going to be happy with every call the official makes. We're not going to be happy with every, you know, uh, action in the water, but, you know, if we understand the big picture um, and, and that we can't, you know, have incidents that we're dealing with that that make our sport look bad, that make the league look bad, that their team is in addition, um, you know, that that really helps things flow smoothly. I think obviously staying on top of the website um, as, as little as, 
you know, or sorry, as much as we want to keep the schedule consistent and not right. change it, we do have to make changes from time to time. We get last minute requests from teams or teams drop out um, and we have to fix it. Um, so just staying on top of that so that no one, you know, goes to the wrong pool or doesn't right. know their game times, simple stuff like that. Um, but, but again, uh, not only, you know, um, with the games being streamed this year, we're also increasing our presence on social media. So we're going to have a full-time social media person, if not more awesome. than one, going to be out as many venues as possible. Yeah. Definitely uh, a weakness of mine, no question. I did not grow up in the social media era, so uh, <laughs> that, that's not a strong point. And so we're going to have someone much younger uh, take that over. And, and really, I think um, she's going to be great. And she's going to be out there this weekend. Um I think it's San Clemente High School as well as maybe Harvard Westlake High School. So two of the venues for our 16 and unders, but she'll be at all age groups. I know we're only streaming 16s and 18s, but she'll be around at all the different age groups, uh, right. you know, throughout the year. Cool. Well, and you, you got to shout out those handles now for your social media. Where should people go to find Futures Water Polo on uh, in the social world? Yeah, just at Futures WPL. Okay. And I think that's the yeah. website uh, URL is also, if I recall, right? Futureswpl.com. Right. right. Yeah, awesome. exactly. And then uh, mainly, I mean, right now, social media wise, it's almost solely Instagram. Um, we don't really use Twitter anymore. Uh, don't ask me about TikTok. Maybe that's something she'll take on. I have no <laughs> idea. Uh, but but Instagram for sure. And you're telling me the old guy, Game On Life Studio has TikTok? Come on. We got we to gotta, we gotta make it happen in, in that new world, man. Maybe 2024. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, I think we didn't, we didn't plan on this, but I think we should probably uh, talk a little bit about the game desk and six, eight sports. And also that opportunity, we'll probably get an opportunity to reach out to six, eight sports to get them here on the podcast as well. But another opportunity in terms of being able to have some access to the sports, talk a little bit about six, eight sports um, and the game desk and how that interacts with futures and what to expect there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, it's just one of those things where our sport has been a little bit behind the curve uh, in comparison to other sports. And so uh, they're going to come out this year and they are going to uh, you know, do the stats basically for our 16s and 18 under games. Um, uh, again, we're not going to be able to provide that just yet for the younger age groups, 14s and 12s, maybe down the line. But this year we want to make sure we do it right. Um, so we're going to start with 16s and 18s um, in any player who has a membership on the app um, and has an, a 6-8 number will be able to track throughout the course of the league all of their stats. And again, just another element that they can provide uh, for college coaches as part of their recruiting uh, packet um, and, and also just kind of fall, see their own progress. And it's a valuable tool for also for the coaches so they can see right after the game, everything is right there um, instead of having it again um, on paper, it's pretty much going to be all on the app um, and done electronically. So uh, live, um, if, yeah. if the venue has good Wi-Fi, you'll be able to track that live. If not, it'll all be uploaded after the game, uh, yep. you know, or, or whenever they get access to the Wi-Fi. Um, but I think, you know, uh, hand in hand with what, what you guys are doing with the stream uh, really, I think, even moves the league to to another level to be able yeah. to provide both of these services for, for the athletes, for, for the coaches, for the clubs. Um, so we're really excited about having 6-8 and what they're doing uh, with the game desk, uh, in addition to everything else they're doing. But definitely, you know, that's a big benefit for us at Futures and and uh, excited to see, you know, how many people take advantage of it. I think yeah. it's just going to keep growing and growing. Yeah, it's it's incredible stuff. I've used, uh, I've been, well, Game On Live Studio and then our club has been partners with 6-8 for a couple of years now and fantastic stuff. Our kids, our athletes love it after every game they walk over to see what their plus minus is. They, they're following and understand the the balance of scoring goals, but also the contr contribution away from that, from assists, earned exclusions, 
you know, uh, steals, turnovers, et cetera, and kind of get an overall big picture of the game. So it's really exciting stuff. If you don't have a 6-8 account out there, go get it. Um, and you can do that at 6-8sports.com and figure that out. So um, any other shout outs for your sponsors for the league that we need to take care of? Uh, you know, uh, off the top of my head, I don't, I mean, right now cap seven for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, cap seven has been a big supporter of the league from, from the jump. Um, and there, uh, as you know, we get into close to the super finals, even bigger, um, uh, but over the course of the league, um, but right now, I mean, yeah, we're fortunate to have really, really good partners. Uh, water polo is a very small sport, but, uh, you know, the fact that, as I mentioned before, um, you know, cap seven, one of the biggest companies in water polo and then you know, came on live studio with the streaming and, and six, eight. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than Tony and Maggie and what they're yeah. doing, but <laughs> to have, have the game desk, uh, as, as affiliated with, with the league and what that's going to provide it's all really, really exciting. And I think, that's um, awesome. it's, it's again, I, I think it's just going to keep evolving. Okay. So what, uh, so go into a fan mode here from league and I know you kind of have to be careful on this, but what are some key matchups? What should people watch for where, you know, what are, what are we, what should, as we're going into weekend one here for 16 U and 18 U over the next couple of weeks, what, what should we look for? It, I would, I would really honestly toggle between all the different pools. I know it's easy to kind of want to gravitate towards division one and Right. I think that, you know, um, but also the, they are mixed. Like there are games, there are uh, division one teams playing at Harvard Westlake, but also uh, at San Clemente, you know, over the different days. Um, but, but there are a lot of great teams in all four divisions, to be honest. And I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of movement between the divisions. So it can be yeah. exciting to see again, those teams clawing, wanting to claw their way up, you know, uh, um, from division four, three or two into division one. Um, so it's, it's early, definitely, especially when you're talking about 16 and unders, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's, it's maybe yeah. easier with the 18 and unders to, to ex know what to expect, but with 16s, um, you know, some of the clubs are high school only clubs. So this could be a JV team where it could be their best 16s that you don't know until they show right. up. Yeah. Um, and it's a little, a little tough to make early predictions, I would say, and definitely what, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of close games, you know, uh, right away. Um, I, I'm, I think. Um, just from seeing, you know, what these clubs have done, like in the, and when we started again, we're talking six day clubs and these were, everybody kind of knew these were the top clubs and there right. are so many more now. There are so many more clubs that have made a name for themselves and have gotten so much better and have just done a great job. And it's, it's great for the sport because there are so yeah. many good players out there. Um, so I, again, I, I don't want to maybe speculate just yet on what the top games or what games uh, but if I if I was a fan, I definitely would be toggling back and forth between all the different pools um, and, and, you know, trying to almost scoreboard watch a little bit, too, because yeah. uh, there's going to be some exciting moments uh, towards the end of a lot of the games. Uh, well, and yeah, some shootouts I mean, for sure, for sure. And I, I mean, if I'm a fan, I have my big screen. I cook my laptop up to it and put all three up at the same time and watch all three of them. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe next year we can get the red zone. We can get the red zone. For, there uh, we go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and I think, I mean, just in terms of you're talking a little bit about numbers, but, and I don't know which is which, but I think 18U has 36 teams in it and 16U boys has 34 teams. So, I mean, that's a lot of kids playing water polo and getting a great, a lot of a fantastic amount of exposure. Um, and it's just, it's just fantastic, you know, to be able to watch and see that happen. So great job, yeah. Dusty and building something that's incredible, right? Yeah, I mean it's definitely uh not just me. I know my name is in front of it, but there are a lot of yeah. people that put a lot of a lot of hard work into this and do a lot behind the scenes. And um it's it's just really great to see uh, you know, I, I you know, I try to get out there for a few of the weekends, but definitely super finals and see um the competition, um, and just you know, see everybody getting better and the sport growing, and and that's what we're all here for. Yeah, awesome. Well, as we're gonna wrap up, I ask all of my guests the same question at the end, and that is 
we're building the the ultimate water polo song list because you know that's I love music and all that. So m- maybe from a coaching perspective, maybe as a lead commissioner, what's your what's your <laughs> pump up song? Like what's the song that gets you ready for water polo? Pump up song. Uh, I mean, uh, wow. I'm not really a pump up guy. Uh, uh, yeah, think, you, you uh, don't strike me as like someone that's dancing on the deck necessarily. I'll, but no, no, you won't <laughs> find that. Uh, to be honest, I, before games, I probably meditate more than I listen to music. But um, all right. if, this year, this year, all right. Um, I don't know if this is going to fit at all within your 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 that's playlist. Um, I don't know what's there. But um, this year, I was listening to a lot of uh, a blues artist, Taj Mahal. Oh, nice. Yeah, him. I have. I've been artists. to a Taj Mahal um, concerts before. Oh, wow. Didn't expect that. There you go. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I thought, I, I, you know, I really enjoyed almost every morning. I wouldn't say right before the game, but morning for sure. Um, so that is mental preparation for for water polo. Um, uh, Leaving Trunk was probably my favorite song. Um, nice. Definitely one of his more popular hits. So you can add that one to, nice. to the, because I, I don't think it. you can add meditation to your playlist. That wouldn't fit uh, in so well. It's, it's, it's working out. Well, and it's not necessarily a workout, but just like what I think, because I come from a sports psychology background, and I think it's really important for people to understand like what what's what it is to find their their uh, find where their peak performance is, right? And so, and I think that's no. that's a key thing. And so, and sometimes you have to mellow it out a little bit, and sometimes you have to bring it up. But I love I love that. I love the fact that on the meditation standpoint and being aware of your surroundings. And I think I'm gonna hook that in probably to the performance of your Princeton men. You guys had a great run here at the end of, in the NC2As. Do you want to talk a little bit about your team a little? Uh, just love the guys, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, that that makes it everything. Um, really, really blessed with a incredible team and incredible staff um, and really supportive administration that allows us to do a lot of the things that, that we want to do. Um, and so it was, a, it was a fun year. It was a special year. Um, a lot of milestones. We broke a lot of records for the program. That's um, awesome. A lot of, a lot of big wins. And, um, you know, the, the nice part too, is the fact that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a team that, that left its mark, but also um, we're continuing to get better. And I think that's really, that's really fun to think about and, you know, kind of to tie in and circle back to futures. It's just growing the sport, you know, yeah. making sure yeah. that, that there are opportunities. Our country is so big. There's no reason that water polo should be, you know, uh, existing, you know, at a high level in one state. Um, it doesn't, that's not common, you know, in other sports. And so right. it's just great for us uh, to be able to show, you know, what we can do on the East coast. And then as, yeah. as we're done with futures, give this opportunity for East coast teams, for teams from the Midwest, from the South, uh, from the Southeast uh, all over um, yeah. to show what they can do. Um, and it's just going to make our country better and definitely provide for um, a better atmosphere of the sport. And then just uh, hopefully uh, Olympic gold medals and continuing yeah. on the women's side and, you know, picking up on the men's side. Yeah, no, that's going to be awesome. I'm so excited to have a, nat- a legitimate uh, national league from all over the country, having an opportunity to play up and to qualify into the finals. I mean, it's going to be that super finals is going to be spectacular. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. And that's going to be in Northern California this year. So we try to uh, flip flop with JOs. So when they're in SoCal, we're in NorCal and vice versa, but really excited about that. Again, like you said, this is the biggest uh, uh, you know league we've had just in Southern California alone. But then when you add right. in all the other components, yeah. um, it should be massive and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be great. Hey, well, thanks again to Dusty Litvak of Princeton Water Polo and the League Commissioner for Futures. Uh, if you don't mind, if you, please subscribe, rate, give a five-star review, and share the podcast and follow us on social media. You can find us at Game On LS. Uh, of course, follow Futures as well at Futures WPL. Be sure to tune in almost every weekend for full coverage of the Futures Leagues on Game On Live Studio. 
You can find all the streams at www.goals.co. You can also find those on the Futures Water Polo League website as well. Uh, we are just trying to make a journey and be a voice for sport growth in the water polo wilderness. Always honor the game. Keep your head on a pivot. Until next time, peace. Thanks, Dusty. Thank you. All right. Have a great one. <laughs>